Acts 20, 13 through 38. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Azus, where we were going to take Paul on board, because there were his, these were his instructions, since he himself was going by land. When he met us in Azus, we took him on board and went on to Mytilene. Sailing from there, the next day we arrived in Caius. The following day we crossed over to Samos, and the day after we came to Miletius. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit once warns me that chains and afflictions are awaiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among who I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit to you, God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not, convicted any, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, you yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Man, we need to pray if I'm going to get all the way through all those scriptures. <laughs> yeah, so let's pray a little bit. So right now, I just want to invite you to pray. Don't just listen to me pray. So God, just pray that you open my spiritual eyes and ears that I will hear and see what you want me to hear and see this morning. Just stir my heart towards you, O oh God. Remove all the distractions from my mind, all the distractions around me. 
Help me to focus in on you and what you have for me this morning. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just fill this place, fill our hearts, our souls, and our minds, and just speak to us now as we bring all this time under the kingdom authority rule of Jesus. We pray this all in his name. Amen. All right, so talking about some reminders this morning with that in just a moment, but I saw something kind of interesting I want to share with you. This is a letter, a love letter that a young man was writing to his sweetheart. It goes like this. My dear, I would climb the highest mountain, swim the widest stream, cross the burning desert, die at the stake for you. P.S. I'll see you on Saturday if it doesn't rain. I thought, man, that is indicative many times of how we approach God. That it's like, man, you know, we, we come to God and we're like, God, I am sold out. I am all in. I'm, I love you, Lord. You know, I, I bring my life under your authority rule. Do with me what you will, just as long as it doesn't rain. Just as long as it's always sunny, as long as everything is going the way that I think it should go, then I'm okay. But the moment that life begins to turn the wrong direction, then all of a sudden I begin to struggle with all these commitments, all these prayers, everything that I brought before the Lord. So this morning as we talk about the things that keep our hearts focused in the right direction, there's an old Puritan preacher by the name of John Bunyan. You might be familiar with something he wrote, Pilgrim's Progress. This is what he said. If you would be rid of a hard heart, that great enemy to the growth of grace, then you must be much with Christ upon the cross in your meditations. So what he's saying is that what we need to do, I mean, like if we're going to, this hard heart, this thing that just so easily gets turned in the wrong direction, what I need more than anything else is I need to be focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. Near the cross, any of y'all remember that old gospel hymn? But that's an excellent remedy against a hardness of heart. A right side of him. That's what we're talking about. We need reminders. I need to keep my focus in the right place. As he hangs there for your sins, man, this will dissolve your heart into tears and make it soft and tender. So I'm wondering how long has it been since we have seen that cross, since we've seen how Jesus has died on the cross for our sins and how that's affected and impacted my heart. See, that's what will truly soften my heart. Why, why do our hearts get so hardened so easily? You ever thought about that? Why is it that our hearts get so easily distracted away from the Lord and his goodness to us? Man, this heart, the Bible says, it is desperately wicked. It's so easily inclined to go the wrong direction. And if I don't have the reminders before my face, if I'm not seeking those things, then my heart will be hard. Man, I will just, I will go to church on Sunday morning and sit there and try to focus and be like, just trying so hard. Man, I went through all this to get here and then get here and I'm just distracted. Man, I'm preaching to myself this morning, by the way. Been a very distracting morning for myself. So we're just praying the Holy Spirit's gonna help us tune in. To what he wants us to hear. Listen, you went through a lot to get here this morning. You know, I mean, as long as you're here, let's pray that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to our heart right now. 
Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the most important thing, the cross, the crucifixion. That is why we're here this morning, because of the cross, because of what happened, the atoning sacrifice of our lives, the forgiveness of our sins. You are forgiven past, present, and future of all of your sins. That is why we're here this morning, because apart from that, we would not be here. We would not want to be here. Let's begin in this text. We've got a lot of verses to go through. And here's what happens right here. What, what we've got is we've got Paul and them, they're moving from, from Troas, and they're going to go down to Melentus. And what happens here is that Paul gets them in going in one direction. Listen to me. And he goes, he sends them by ship, and he goes alone on foot. See, some of you, you need your alone time, Right? The Apostle Paul needed his alone time. He needed the husband to take the kids and just get away for a little while. He, he, he needed, I mean, after all the stuff that he'd been through, he needed some time whenever. Have you got a hobby or something that you get to just be alone with the Lord? Is there some way that you got some time where it's just you and God where you can just, where you can just focus on your relationship with him and process what God's doing in your life? Well, that's what Paul's doing right here. He's going by himself. He was going by land. And here's, here is the, um, there's where he walked right there, in case you're wondering. There's the road he walked. That amazes me today that those roads are still there. You know, here we live in this country that's well, 200 years old, and man. And so let me just show you the map here. He's trying to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. See, he just went through this inner, right here through the Aegean Sea, right down this coastal level, and then he gets down here to Miletus, and see, he's going to call for the elders from the church at Ephesus. He doesn't want to go in here because when he goes in here, he ends up staying too long. It's kind of like when you're waiting on your spouse to get away from that person so y'all can leave. They just keep on talking and keep on talking. When he gets there in Ephesus, man, I mean, these are his friends. He's close to these people, and he goes on and on and on. He stays too long. Why does he want to get back to Jerusalem by Pentecost? Because every Jewish male is required to go back to Jerusalem. This is a family reunion. He wants to be there so he can share the gospel with more people. Man, he, is, he has got a gospel-driven heart that drives him to get back and to share the gospel with as many people as possible. So here he gets to Miletus right here. He sent to Ephesus, and he summoned not the apostles. The apostles are no longer the leaders of the church. They're leaders there, but now the official governing body leaders of the church are now the presbytos right here, the elders of the church. This is the way God has set up the church to be led, not to be led by a pastor. Pastors, elder, overseers, all of these are synonymous. They're all the same thing. Not one man leading the church. You always see it pluralized right here because there's multiple people leading the church. You don't want one man leading the church because that one man goes south, we're all in trouble. You need a group of people. And, that, and, and listen, you know, it is important to you. You may be saying, well, hey, David, you know, this is the elder-led church. You know, I mean, it's no problem. Why are you telling us this? You know, y'all got it all. We're trusting y'all to do this. Because here's the thing. You and I may not always be together. We're here together in this season right now. That doesn't mean we're always going to be together. You may go to another church, and when you go to another church someday, then you need to know, why is it important to go to seek a church that is elder-led? Well, here's what I'll tell you. I'm not just going to get up here and just berate this up from one side and down the other, because that's what the Bible says. We're going to follow the Bible, and if that church is following about that's the way the church is going to be governed, by a group of elders, not just one person. 
So when they came to him, he said to them, the only message you get from the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts to Christians, this, this is it. All the other ones are to non-believers and to Christians. The only one that's to Christians. Here he is speaking to these elders, these leaders of the church. He said, you know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you. Now in the Greek, the, how this is formed is the whole time. What he's saying here is, is that you know how I live. To Corinthians, he said, imitate, mimitas right here, mimitas, mimic. We use that in a negative connotation. In Greek, it's not negative. Mimic means, mimic me as I also imitate. I expected it to say mimitas right here, but it didn't say that right there. Man, there's one of those Greek words that's hard to translate over into English again. So right here, this is genoma, generation. It's, but when, it's the word that's used when someone is born again. It's interesting to me, he didn't say, he didn't say, mimitas me as I mimitas Christ, but he's saying right here, as there's a transformation taking place in my life. No, listen, here's how I translate that. What he's saying is, he's saying, you see how Christ is, translate, is, is transforming me? Then you need to be transformed also. You, you, need to, you need to be letting the Holy Spirit transform your life as well. So he says to the elders, at Ephesus, I've been serving the Lord with all humility. An old deacon told me one time, there's nothing that will bring you humility faster than pain. Pain will always do it. Here's what Paul says. I serve the Lord with all humility, with tears. And during the trials, those times he got beaten, those times he was thrown in prison for Christ, through trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews, you know that I did not hesitate. Hupo stello, right here. That means, hupo means to, to hyper, to quickly. You know that I didn't pull away from authority. So it's like, this is like a soldier that's in, under authority. He says, listen, I've got this, this call, this push me. You know that I never pulled back from that. This call to tell you the truth. To proclaim anything to you that was profitable to teach you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks. He said, I wasn't scared of one and told the other. Everybody, the same thing. About repentance, this is interesting right here. Look at this, look at this. Repentance towards God. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of direction. Well, you talk about the Bible, you talk about repenting from your sins. And right here, what Paul's saying, he's kind of giving a summation of the gospel call right here. And he says that it is a, it is a repentance Towards God. So I'm turning away from myself, away from sin, and I'm turning towards God. That's what salvation is. And faith in our Lord Jesus. Because look at James, okay? James, the half-brother of Jesus. Are you, are you with me who I'm talking about now? He said that faith without works is dead. Now, works, do they save you? No, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. So what's he saying there in James? He's saying this, that if I've really got this thing happening, this born-again transformation, then it's automatic that God's going to be working something out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you. Okay? So there's going to be this change, this transformation that's happening, and that's what happens with faith. If you're sitting here this morning and say, how do I know if I'm really saved? Here's how you know. If the Holy Spirit is changing you, if it's transforming you, then you know you're saved. 
But if you, listen, if you can go out there and sin and you have no conviction and no worry and there's no change, you, go out, you live just like you did before you got saved, then you need to question that. If you're really saved, there's going to be some transforming power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Or there's going to be some conviction because you're not. God will transform us. Listen, listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. God will, if you're in Christ, you will be sanctified. Either because you want to, and even if you don't want to. Some of the most loving things that he will do is spank you into sanctification. <laughs> and now I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Compelled, Dale, bound. Dale's earth is bound up, man. There's something else that's got a hold to me. This is not what I want to do. This is something that, that, that is changing my want to. Bound by what? The Holy Spirit. Not knowing what I will, some of y'all don't know about tomorrow. I would argue that none of you really know about tomorrow. <laughs> some of y'all are worried because you don't know what's going to happen this week, next week, next month. You got all these worries, all this stuff out in front of you. You're worried because you do not know. Hey, here's what Paul says. He said, I'm going, in, I'm going into Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going, I'm going to encounter there. Following Jesus does not mean you're going to know where you're going. I think some of y'all didn't hear me, so I want to repeat it. <laughs> Following Jesus does not mean you're going to know where you're going, but it does mean you know and trust the one you're following, that he's going to lead you to where you need to be, not where you want to be. Except that in almost all the towns, some of the towns doesn't say that, does it? It says in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Okay, so listen, if I'm, if I'm there with Paul and Paul turns to me and he says, hey, David, listen, the Holy Spirit's got to put an impression on my heart that every city we go into, there is chains and afflictions waiting for me. And I'm like, all right, Paul, then that tells me right there, I mean, to stay out of all the cities. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'll be thinking. But see, they had a different mindset than I have. Proof of this is what we studied back in Acts chapter 5. It says they called the apostles and the leaders, the religious leaders there in Jerusalem, they called the apostles and they had them flogged, beaten with rods. I mean, like where it would bruise and break, puncture lungs. I mean, terrible beating. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God Counted them worthy to suffer. <laughs> That's a whole different mindset than I've got. You know? So, I mean, whenever Paul says the Holy Spirit's warning him, that doesn't mean Paul's like, I'm going to stay out of all the city. I mean, no, we're going to. That means, that means I'm going to the city. If I'm going to be suffering there, then something's going right. That doesn't work with our Western mindset here today. We think that when they're suffering there, there's something wrong. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But I consider my life, oh, there it is. Of no, there's why. That's why you can say that. Because Paul was not in love with Paul. Okay? He said, man, my life, it means nothing. This life in this world, he was already there. He'd been there. You know that, right? He was translated to third heaven, saw things that man's not permitted to speak. He never got over that, by the way. 
Man, that was a driving force when he came back, and he's like, listen, when he went to go tell her, and they would beat him, that's why he would keep on going, because he'd already been there. He could not wait to get back there. They're like, man, we're going to kill you. It's like, all right, man, to die is game. Oh, we're just going to beat you and leave you here? All right, well, then I'm going to at least stay here, and I'm just going to share Christ with everybody. My purpose is to finish my course. So you got a course if you're in Christ Jesus. Okay? There's a lane marked out for you. Finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. How many of y'all are in full-time ministry right now? Well, good answer. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're in full-time ministry. No part-timers, okay? Whenever he says, in the ministry, see, some of y'all are sitting there and you're going, yeah, but you know, I'm not in the ministry. <laughs> then you're not saved. So if you're telling me you're saved, then you're in the ministry, all right? Just because you're not on staff or you don't get paid by church, that doesn't mean that's in the ministry. You're in Christ, you're in the ministry, and you're in full-time ministry. <laughs> he canceled the record. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I didn't get all the way into that, did I? I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the euangelion of God's grace, the gospel. Do you remember? Can I, can I remind you? Oh, we may run out of time, but I don't care. Here we go. <laughs> the euangelion. Let me remind you of that. That's the good news, the gospel. When they said euangelion in their time, what they understood is that when you lived in the kingdom and your king went off to go fight the enemy rulers, when your king, your, your king won, then they would send the euangelion, the good news of the kingdom, back. There would be a herald that would get the good news. The herald would go out proclaiming the euangelion to everybody who lived in the kingdom. Here is the euangelion. Our king has went, and he's fought the evil ruler. He overpowered the evil ruler. He has won. He has subdued him. He's coming back into our capital city. There's going to be a big parade someday. He's going to come in with all the spoils of war. And our king is going to be riding on the horse, victorious. That is a you ain't. So if you lived in the kingdom, you didn't go, oh, man. I mean, you're like, what? We have won? Our enemies subdued? We live in freedom now? We've got peace now? We've got joy now? And then you would go to the capital city. In the capital city, they would bring in the spoils, all the treasures from the foreign country that they had won. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed, overpowered the evil ruler, the spiritual rulers and authorities. And here it is. This is the same Greek words they used whenever the king would come back in, riding on that horse triumphantly. When that parade right there, he paraded, he shamed them publicly. That public parade, that ruler that lost would be shamed. By his victory over what? On what? Look, look at, would you please, would you look this morning, dear Christian, it's the cross. That is the sign of victory to us. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom. Whoa, wait a second. Did we just shift gears? He just talked about the euangelion, the gospel. Why are we talking about the kingdom now? Because they are synonymous. If you're in the kingdom, you got the euangelion. The good news got to you. Are you with me now? Don't let that trip you up and think, oh, what's the kingdom mean? That's the kingdom. When you're in Christ, you're in the kingdom. 
Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. He may have to share the gospel with every single one of you. You get to choose. There's the gospel. Do you want salvation or not? You're not saved because mom and daddy are saved. You're not saved because you sit in a church. You're saved because you have received the grace of God. You're saved by grace through faith. You activated that faith that God gave you. You received the gift of salvation. You are now in Christ Jesus. So he says right here, man, I have shared the gospel. I'm innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. And here he is. He's talking to these elders. And he says, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock, for all the flock. See, because if you're going to be a shepherd, then you, first of all, you need to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. If you're getting all whooped up and beat up and everything like that, you'll be no good to help anybody else. Think about this. What kind of an elder do you want shepherding over your soul? Do you want one? that is strong spiritually, that is disciplined spiritually. I mean, I, I say what I want, man. I want. I want the dude that's shepherding my, over my soul and my family, I want that dude to be disciplined. I want him to be honest. I want him to be fervent about the word of God. And I don't want him to be perfect because he's not. If he thinks he's perfect, he says he's perfect, he says his family's perfect, I don't want that dude. I want the dude that is clear cut on his weaknesses and he is totally bought in to the gospel and to the strength of God and not his strength. That's what I want. I don't know about you. We talk about somebody shepherding over us. We talk about elders leading a church. That's what I'm looking for. So be on your guard for yourselves. You've got to do that first. And for all the flock on which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church under shepherds, see Jesus is the over shepherd and, and, the, and the elders are the under shepherds to shepherd the church of God which he purchased, look at the value of it, with his own blood. So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see a mother that has taken that, that baby that's just a few weeks old or a few months old or something like that and they're taking it and the mother's giving it, handing it over to someone else and giving it to them to raise that's a pretty heavy thing, isn't it? So what I want you to see right here is Apostle Paul, listen, God has birthed this church through him, the, the Ephesian church, and he's getting ready to pass it off to these men, the next generation pastors, and he's saying, listen, I'm handing this off to you. This is a precious thing. It was so precious that it was purchased with the blood of Christ. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number. The ones you use, the God, this, you stand around, look at the guys around you among your own number. See, any of you that have been involved in church very long, you know how this goes. Those people there that you probably ser served shoulder to shoulder with at one point, and man, they turned south on you. And they went the other direction. And it was hard. And you do realize there's a lot of people that are sitting at home this morning, not because they don't love Jesus, but because they've been hurt severely in the church by other people that were serving with them that turned on them. 
or just went south. Should we be surprised by that? Can we lower our expectation gap and understand that that will happen? And they will distort the truth and lure the disciples into following. Listen, anytime you got a preacher or an elder or a church leader that's trying to get you to follow them, that's your first sign you need to disconnect. Okay? Whenever they start making it all about them and how great they are and what, you know, and how great, what they're like, I mean, listen, if I came into you here every Sunday and I tried to convince you how great the Bridge Fellowship was, that should concern you. I, my job is not to convince you how great the Bridge Fellowship is. My responsibility is to convince you of how great our God is. Not how great a preacher is <laughs> or elders are or church leaders are, but how great our God is. There will indeed, look at this, Peter says this, there were indeed false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master, capitalized for this Jesus, who bought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their deprived ways and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed. Mm. See, whenever the, whenever the preacher is all about getting your money, that's your red flag right there. It's dangerous. With made-up stories. Listen, the, the, the preacher that gets up in front of everybody and he writes a book and he tells a story about how he went to heaven and he came back and it's all about him, we got a problem there. It's all about glorifying him. And I'm not saying no one's ever died and went to heaven. The Apostle Paul did that. Did the Apostle Paul write volumes and volumes about what he saw in heaven? What did he say? I saw things that a man is not permitted to speak. So now why have we got men that are saying they went to heaven and came back and writing these books and making millions of dollars off the book and glorifying themselves? That should be our red flag right there, church. Their condemnation, pronounced long ago, it's not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. Look at this. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Man, this is awesome. We look at that and we say, that is credible stuff. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So, so let me tell you something. The Berean church, they would always take what Paul said and they would go back and they would study the scriptures to make sure that everything that he said was right. Be like the Bereans. Don't just sit back and openly listen to me or anybody else and think that everybody's right. I'm not, listen, I disagree with what I say. I go back and watch my sermons after I preach. I'm like, man, that is not what I meant to say. Oh, that came out wrong. One of the most painful things I do is watch every one of my sermons to critique myself. So I would tell you this, don't just openly take, oh, well, David said that. No, David can be wrong. He is wrong, a lot. Go study it for yourself. Therefore, be on the alert. Mm. Remembering that night and day for three years, I never, man, night and day, he must have done a lot of preaching. I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. I mean, Paul's like, you probably got sick of listening to me warn you, but here's one thing I know, that now that I'm leaving, you better remember what I said. 
because it is a dangerous time you're moving into right now. And now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, because, man, we need the word of his grace. We need the word of God. The Bible, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are being sanctified, to be more like Christ, you got to be taking the word of God in for yourself. A dwell Bible app. Listen, we offer it to you at no cost. We pay for you to have a subscription. Have you stopped listening to that thing? You need to get back on it if you have. You got to be taking in the word of God. Don't neglect taking in. Read it for yourself. Listen to it as much as you can. You've got to have that. That's what is going to build you up. You need that strength. I have, listen, why all of a sudden, look at this change right here. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold. Are there clothing? Why does, why does he say, are there clothing? Have you ever seen this on Instagram? Preachers and Snickers, anybody ever seen that? It started out as a joke. They were, they were looking at the preachers and they're, I did not even know this. There are sneakers you can buy that cost $6,000. I mean, I, I see these dudes with their, like, I see these, these young, cool, hip pastors, you know, and they got the big old rips in their jeans right here, and they got these old, um, these denim jackets, and they got these big old high top stickers. And I'm like, man, bless their heart, look at that. You know, look at their clothes. Amen. Well, you go look at this site, and those sneakers cost $2,000, and those jackets cost $8,000. And you may be sitting and say, man, Dave, listen, that's none of my business how much money they spend on their clothes and everything. I agree with it. It's none of my business either. I don't care what they spend their money on and stuff like that. But here's what I'm saying. We got a problem whenever the dude that stands up in front of us is saying, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he's wearing more. The clothes he's got on his back cost more than the car I drive. So we got a problem there. I got a problem there with that. So. Let's balance it out. Here's what Paul said also. Elders who do their work well should, should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve the pay. So we're not saying that. I remember one time I was sitting in a barber shop and the guy, and the guy was cutting somebody else's hair next to me, the barber was, and he started, started talking about preachers. He had no idea who I was. He was talking about preachers. He's cutting the guy's hair and everything. He goes, yeah, well, you know, the way I feel, I don't think that any preacher should get paid. If all preachers didn't get paid, I'd solve all of our problems. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you something. As the Bible says, and understand this. Here's what, I, I sat there and I said nothing because it wouldn't have done any good. But you know what I wanted to say? I wanted to stop the person cutting my hair and I look over and say, hey, man, how many churches you pastored? How many times you carried that load? Man, it's real easy for me to sit back there and watch Dak Prescott and criticize him, but I don't have, you know, 300-pound men running at me and trying to rip my head off in two seconds to make that decision. It's real easy to criticize somebody when you never walked in those shoes. And I'll tell you something else. Right now, what I'm doing right here, this is the easy part. I'm not getting paid for this, okay? The most important thing that I do here, first of all, is pray. And the second thing is, is to be consistent. And the reason that I get paid 
is so that I can do those two things, so that I can be here Sunday in and Sunday out and be on point and bring you what God's laid on my heart. So you say, David's up there defending himself now. Well, maybe I am, but on the second plan, maybe you might find yourself in a barbershop someday listening to that argument and being like, hmm, maybe they're right. Maybe another preacher should get paid. Okay, fair enough. Go pastor church, come back. Let's talk about it. You yourselves know that I work with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. So here's what Paul's saying. He said, man, when I was among you, I didn't take any money for this. And in every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Go look that up. Find where he said that. Challenge you on that. When you find it, come back and tell me. Before he said that in the scripture. He did say that. Show me where you find that recorded in the scriptures before this. Evidently, it's something that they talked about. Paul says right here, but here's what I know. That is a kingdom principle. Whenever you're in the kingdom, you're going to be generous. It's just that simple. Go back and listen to a sermon from a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that. After he said this, he knelt down and he prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, grieving most of all over a statement that they would never see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Man, miracles of God are still happening. We made it through all those verses. (laughs) Hey, listen, you know that Paul's lived right among them whenever he's leaving and they're crying over that, you know? Man, that's a tough thing whenever God leads someone in ministry to a different place, a different area. It's hard. See, some of you have experienced that. I just want you to understand something. It's happened before, and it'll happen again. And right here, I mean, they cried, and it was hurtful to them. So just know it's okay when that happens, that it's hurtful, and we hate to see other people that we've served with go and go to other places, other positions, but it just happens. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. What's your hindrance? We're okay with this part over here, the, the sin. Yeah, we know what our sins are. What's your hindrance? See, your hindrance, that's a good thing. A hindrance is what we would call a disordered love. It's loving the right things in the wrong order. So a hindrance can be something that's a good thing, but it is hindering you, ensnaring you, keeping you from running with endurance the race, the lane that's marked out for you. So what's that good thing that's distracting you now? Is it your family? Ooh, wow. Boy, that doesn't work in the American church real well, does it? Is it your job? That's maybe a little easier for you to take. Is it sports? Your recreation? And those things we talk about, things that that we kind of get away, we go walk by ourselves, that thing can become a little G-God. Is it your reputation? Is it your ministry? See, those are all good things, but when they get in the wrong order, they hinder us then. So what's that thing that's hindering you? If you're sitting here right now and you say, I don't have anything hindering me, you need to pray. Yeah. It's there. You're just not seeing it. 
keeping our eyes. Man, I need some reminders of the cross. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. I always think about when I see that, I always think about Peter. Remember when Peter go walk on the water? Remember that story? He did good as long as he looked at Jesus, but he said, then he, he saw the storm, the waves, and the wind, and he sank. Keeping our eyes. Man, I need something to remind me of the cross. I need to keep my eyes reminded on the cross. Remembering Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross. Hupo meno hyper stand despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Are you considering him this morning? That's why we take communion. We always come back to the cross when we come to the communion. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary. How many of y'all are weary this morning? Because what happens after you get weary so many times is you give up. So are you weary this morning? If you're weary this morning, then here's what comes from the word of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from evil men against himself so that you won't grow weary. Hey, listen, nobody in this room wants you to give up. And I'm not talking about just giving up on church. I'm talking about we don't want you to give up on your marriage. We don't want you to give up on your children. We don't want you to give up on your son-in-law and your daughter-in-law. We don't want you to give up on that coworker. We don't want you to give up on your boss. Because plain and simple, they're still here. So if they're still here, God hasn't given up on them. Let's stand this morning. So um, we're going to um, go ahead and take communion. So You know, we've also still got the placards to go on the cross. If you need to put something on there, a burden, if you need to put that on the cross, or if you've got, you know, it's a sin that you're struggling with that you need to put that on the cross this morning, then grab a placard and a pen, write that down. Or if you've got someone that you're praying for to be saved and you want more people praying with you, then you put that name at the foot of the cross. So we'd welcome you to come get a placard and a pen. But if you would now go ahead and step out, there's and get your elements for your family. There's two baskets at the front, one at the back. We've also got these cards that are in the, the basket also that if you need salvation, baptism, you got a prayer request, you can write it on that card as well.
So look up the screen, please, if you would, please, before we get started in this. <clears throat> so I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Think about that for a moment. So to be crucified with Christ is something that we have to do every single day. So today, before we take communion, I want to ask you this. Is there anybody that you need to forgive? Is there anybody that needs your forgiveness? Is everything good between you and God and good between you and everybody around you? If not, then you need to pray right now. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. How could Paul on that day say my life means nothing to me? So when James Calvert went out as a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands, the captain of the ship sought him to turn back. You will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go to such savages, he cried. Calvert replied, we died before we came here. Man, one of the hardest things we do is dying to ourselves. But here's what I tell you this morning. If you've got fear, if you're filled with anxiety, if you're worried about the future, then that's the call of the cross is to come and die. Die to yourself and to this world. And that's where freedom is. The king is one. The herald has come back. And he has announced to you, Angelion, the enemy is defeated. Our king is riding in victorious. So today, let's go ahead and open up. So let's look at the let's look at the bread. Consider, remember the cross. And one of the great things about coming to the table of the Lord so often is here we remember the cross. We're fixing our eyes on the death of Jesus. So would you pray with me? Just repeat after me. Say, King Jesus, thank you for your death. Thank you for dying in my place. I receive what you did on the cross. Let's take and eat in Jesus' name. Let's open up the juice. So I want you to look at this juice for a moment, and I want you to think about the blood of Jesus that was shed for your sins so that you could be forgiven. 
Now I want you to take your mind to three days later, and I want you to be there with those women as they're approaching the tomb. They're discussing who's going to roll away the stone. They're expecting to find Jesus there and to finish the preparations. And they ran into an angel. Look at the screen. So the women were terrified, and they bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men, are these are the angels? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? Remember. This is what he said. It's necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. So would you pray with me? Dear God, help me to remember your words. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all my sins. I accept that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Let's drink, church. So this morning, if you need, you feel the calling of the gospel for salvation, I would ask you just to stay in here as we dismiss. If you need somebody to pray over you, then I'd ask you just to stay in here. Just you just stay in your seat. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. And there'll be people that'll be coming around to pray for you this morning. If you need prayers over your marriage, over your finances, over your health, whatever it may be. There are people here who will pray for you that want to pray for you. Don't leave here if you need prayer without being prayed for. So God, Lord, we pray as we leave here today. So as I'm praying right now, I want you to think about something. What can you do to keep the cross at the forefront of your mind this week? Maybe those verses we just read, Galatians 2.20. Maybe you need to write that on one of these placards before you leave out here and put that in your pocket this week. Just think about it. I don't know. I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit for you. Holy Spirit, what can I do to keep the cross the forefront of my mind this week, this day, and this week? Can you pray something like this? God, teach me what it means to be crucified with Christ. Help me to understand what it means to live the crucified life. Holy Spirit, convict me when I get selfish. Holy Spirit, convict me when I make everything about myself. Lead me into the joy of the kingdom this week, O oh God, and dying to myself and serving others. Put that desire in my heart, O oh God. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.